Hello and welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joe Nieves. And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuiper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. Hey, Sherry. (laughs) Hi, Joe. (laughs) It's a day. It is. It's a gloomy February. It is is gloomy. It's rainy as of this recording right now. I feel like because Valentine's Day is in February, it should be a more sunny disposition for the month, and it's just not. (laughs) When those corporate muckety-mucks created Valentine's Day as this commercial holiday that it is, they probably picked February. Yeah. Now, I'm not a Valentine's Day expert, y'all, so I'm sure there's a very good reason for this, but they probably picked February because there's no business this time of year. Yeah. Because it is so dark and gloomy. Yeah, and there's a lot of space between the new year and something big happening. So they were like, we need something yeah. to happen. You know Let's what? Let's do Valentine's Day right. in February. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there's a much more rational explanation. Maybe not. If you're a Valentine's Day expert, let us know. Yeah. Go onto our Fort Meade Declassified Facebook page and, and tell me why Valentine's Day's in February. <laughs> why? Is, I mean, we know why it's important. Well, not important, but why people, you know, view it importantly like, we totally understand that part. We, you know, we have spouses. We've, we've celebrated plenty of Valentine's Days. But, uh, yeah, what's the big deal? <laughs> well, I think people just, you know, it's okay to love love. Yeah. And I do think that, yeah, you know, there's always that concept where we should, we should love people every day of the year and all yeah. that, which is true. But, like, let's face it, though. Like, we get busy, right? Yeah, of course. We get busy. We get tired. You know, we push things off. We cancel date nights. Yeah. So it's kind of like... That one day to just plan on doing something with your loved yeah. ones, whether it's your kids, your spouse, your partner, whatever. It is kind of a, it is kind of nice to have a day to yeah. like just, say this yeah. is, we're gonna do it. We're gonna get dressed up, yeah, go out that. for dinner, however you're gonna do it. So I get it. Yeah. I get it. I was actually I'm just trying to look up and see how much people spend on candy. Oh wow. On an individual basis, shoppers are projected to spend an average of $196.32 per person on Valentine's Day spending on wow. candy. That's impressive. On candy. You spend almost $200? Do you give your wife $200 worth of candy? Um going <laughs> to plead the fifth only because I I buy candy whenever she wants candy. <laughs> I mean, it's never been $200 worth of candy, but I mean, wow. they're getting the fancy stuff probably. I don't you know? know. The average is almost one $200. Of those, one of those heart boxes of chocolates, those can run like so 20 bucks. Here's something bucks. for perspective. Okay, Valentine's Day spending. Uh, so this is from last year, because obviously we haven't, yeah. I haven't looked up for this year yet. So last year, Valentine's Day spending was $22 billion. Wow. Okay, for, uh, so. Put that in perspective, Fort Meade, our economic impact a year is $22 billion. Wow. So we're like Valentine's Day. But all year long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say $22 billion for Valentine's Day is actually kind of impressive for 21 because if you think about it, a lot of, and, and probably why spending is expected to be so high is because the in-person stuff isn't happening yeah. as frequently as it was before. Yep. So in 20, so in 2021, yeah. yep. 22 billion in spending, 2 billion alone on candy. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of candy. To show you, people, they're showing their love. Yeah. You know who else is really good at showing some love around here? 
is RSO, yes. the Religious Support Office. And I want to bring yes, them up. We talked to them last year around Valentine's mm-hmm. Day. But I want to bring them up because they do some really awesome programs for couples. You know, just uh, they do retreats. They do all sorts of things to just really help you build your relationship. Yeah. And and have a good, healthy relationship with your partner. And I know some of that's been changed up a little bit because of COVID. Of course. But check out the Religious Support Office, RSO, and and see what they got going on. They might have some good stuff that you and you and your partner can mm-hmm. get involved with. And they do some fun stuff. I hear great things. Yeah. Great yeah. things about the stuff they're doing, and especially their retreats and stuff. Yes, which I have personally experienced with a few of their retreats. It's been they've they're amazing. Yeah, so definitely take advantage of that yeah. if you don't want to be part of the two billion dollar candy hustle this year. <laughs> RSO probably won't cost you anything. In yeah. fact, I know it won't cost you anything. So there you go. Yeah, and you know what's really great about talking about Valentine's Day and the RSO and all that stuff is uh, we're talking about love, and you know what I love. This is episode 50. Is this? This is the big 5 Wow. For us. Two years. Yeah. And I love all the people who have been along with it, us so, for the ride. So it's many great fantastic. people. Yeah. So many great people, great organizations, mm-hmm. just a lot of great things going on in the Fort Meade community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to some of our episodes, we've had, we've had service members doing amazing things. We've had people protecting the Capitol. We've had you know, programs for safety on the installation. Uh, we've had so many cool people on here. We and had the NSA Cryptologic Museum over here with their Enigma machine, and we were Enigma sending messages machine. back that and forth. That was amazing, yes. Yep, so lots of lots of great folks over the last two years and hoping to have more in yeah. the next two years. Yeah, and this is great because we, we're, we're only in February. We've got, you know, we had... A great show last week. We have a good show lined up for you this week. And we just, we're really excited to keep this train going. It's It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it yeah. has been. I hope our listeners are having as much fun as we are. I hope so. I think if you've been <laughs> tuning in, you, there's something you like about us, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> right? I certainly hope so. And, you know, the other great thing about, you know, February, too, is it's it's Heart Health Month. Mm-hmm. So lots of focus on healthy hearts and, and those activities and things like that. And another popular thing around this time in the month is giving blood. Mm-hmm. And we have a great, well, we have a great program today. Joe did an awesome interview with the Armed Services Blood Program. Mm-hmm. They have uh, the next blood drive coming up that you can participate in is March 21st mm-hmm. is the next one that they have yep. slots for. But the Armed Services uh, Blood Program is a great program that benefits uh, service members and families. Yep. And um, Joe had a great interview with Lieutenant Commander Jeffrey Abair. Well, Commander Abair, thank you for joining us today. We love the Army Services Blood Program. I know me personally, I've had a lot of experience with it during my time in the Army, and including some of my time in in the civilian sector working at uh, Walter Reed and now here at Fort Meade. But for the people who don't know, uh, what is the Armed Services Blood Program? So the Armed Services Blood Program, or the ASBP, is the official blood program of the U.S. military. We're a joint operation that collects, tests, stores, ships, and distributes blood products to military locations around the world, uh, wherever and whenever it's needed most. Our mission is to provide quality blood products and support to military healthcare operations worldwide. 
Excellent. And so who are the beneficiaries of the donated blood and blood products? Really, it's the deployed warfighter in, in locations unknown, the family member battling illness, uh, the service member headed to emergency surgery, and many more uh, for other reasons that all benefit service members, their families, retirees, and veterans. When donating with the Armed Services Blood Program, it directly impacts the military community, whether that's at military treatment facilities, on the battlefield, and everywhere in between. And it's all in support of military healthcare operations worldwide. So the average person or the person who goes in and donates, their blood is going directly to the warfighter, which is great, great to hear, great to know. You know, and when you go to donate blood, you always wonder those questions. So it's it's nice to hear. So this, this question is kind of two-sided because a lot of people wonder who can give blood. In, in this case, it's, it's, you know, who can give blood through this program currently? All right. So um, we collect from volunteers uh, mm-hmm. and it's mainly service members and their families, uh, retirees, veterans, uh, DOD civilians, federal employees, and, and contractors. Basically, those with the ability to get to blood drives and uh, donor center locations. As the military's blood program, we're limited to collecting at federally owned or leased properties only. And we're thankful for the many bases, uh, academies, uh, and other facilities and more that help us complete our mission uh, and sponsor regular blood drives. You know, and, and for people that are interested in donating, you know, you should be in good health, be at, at least 110 pounds, have an appropriate iron level, meaning that you're you're not anemic. And before donating, you have to make sure that you're well hydrated and you haven't been skipping uh, any meals. Another thing to, to pay attention to is to keep track of where you've traveled in the world, uh, because there are certain places that can stop you from donating blood. Uh, things like malaria or, or mad cow disease are, are present. Excellent. And that was the other side of the question that I was going to bring up uh, was the whole medical side. What are the things that would disqualify you from from donating? So let so let's say you haven't traveled to one of those locations. You're perfectly healthy. You meet the criteria. How do people find a blood drive and sign up? Well, our Armed Services Blood Program uh, donor centers are located strategically throughout the U.S. Uh, and at locations around the world. Uh, we have over 20 donor centers, and many of them conduct mobile blood drives uh, around their areas and sometimes in places further away on a regular basis. Uh, you can find a, um, an Armed Services uh, Blood Program uh, blood donor center or blood drive by going to uh, www.militarydonor.com and simply placing in your zip code. Excellent. So I know from professional experience that there there's been shortages, uh, blood shortages in the past. I can only assume based off of you know what's been going on with with the world that there's a critical blood shortage now. How is that affecting the ASBP? Well, you're correct that that. Uh, you know, currently we're facing a, a critical period nationwide in blood collections. Mm. You know, historically, donations decrease around the holidays and, and winter months just due to several factors like people are on leave, um, schedules are changing, uh, weather conditions. I mean, look at what's going on this week uh, with the weather. And people also, you know, tend to to get a little sick in the winter with uh, colds and flus. It's all of those things uh, once again this year. And then you add uh, the major factor of, of COVID-19 restrictions uh, and other health and safety concerns. 
you know, that tomorrow's uh, blood needs are today's donations, you know, and, and there is no substitute for blood and blood has an expiration. And some blood products are no longer viable uh, after only a few days and weeks. So factoring that in, you know, it needs to be on the shelf before a need arises. And generally speaking, no one really thinks of blood until it's needed. And our job as the DOD's blood program is to make sure that service members, their families, retirees and veterans uh, have the quality blood products they need. And, you know, the, like I mentioned earlier, the blood supply across the nation is, is critically low, um, not just for us, but also for the civilian blood organizations. You know, the Armed Services Blood Program is one of four organizations that ensure the nation has a safe blood supply. And we work very closely with our civilian counterparts uh, in times of need like this. Our focus is to meet our mission and priorities and use best practices in supporting the nation's effort uh, and working through these critical shortages. And there's a lot of, of partnerships and, and discussions going on on the side of, of how uh, we can all work together to address those uh, critical shortages. Excellent. And, and I imagine COVID has probably been a large contributing factor to the current blood sh shortage. Yes, exactly. You know, and, and part of that is, you know, people not wanting to to really get out of the house or, or congregate in spaces with other people. You know, but I, I can say with a, a fair degree of certainty that all of the Armed Services Blood Program donor centers are taking, you know, heightened measures to make sure that uh, that it's safe from COVID. Excellent. And I know that's probably the one thing that worries or is on the mind of people who want to go out and donate their, you know, and, and you and I would know that, of course, the ASBP is going to do their hardest to, to, to make sure everybody's as safe as possible. But it's always great for the people at home to hear it, to know, you know, that, that we take that very seriously. So on a lighter note, what, which service, which service do you think, uh, or do you know, donates the most blood? Well, you know, that's a it's a fun question. Um, but the interesting thing about the blood program is that blood doesn't really belong to any one service. Uh, right. It's a, it's a shared asset. So I think that the only time we really compare about who's collecting more than others is is during the Army Navy blood challenge, uh, which ah. we do around the, the college football game. Uh, and even then, it's just a, a fun event where we can, you know, add on to the the rivalry, you know, but at the end of the day, we don't really keep track of that because it's it's shared and we have some of our donor centers that are are staffed by tri-service personnel and you know even though they may be uh, run by one particular service all of their staff members uh, come from the army the air force and the navy so blood is kind of one of those things that is unique in the military in that uh, it's truly a joint asset and it's it's one team one fight that's excellent. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, being from the Army, you know, you want to hear that the Army donates the most. But honestly, it's just really great to hear that everybody's doing their best, even if it's a fun little competition, that they're doing something positive and contributing to the to the team, you know, helping people like that's that's what's truly important. And I, and I appreciate the response. I really do. Definitely. Well, and, and you know, I, I completely understand that, that rivalry. You know, I ran one of the the tri service donor centers, and if if you look at historically at the Army Navy Blood Challenge, you know, sometimes the Army uh, takes it, and sometimes the Navy takes it. You know, same thing with the football game. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me something. What is your most interesting blood fact? Okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. Where to start? <laughs> 
You know, this is something that uh, um, I've been involved in for a long time. Um, you know, went to uh, an 18 month fellowship at, at Walter Reed specifically for blood. But, you know, one of the things that I think is is really interesting about blood is that it's actually uh, a kind of pharmaceutical, uh, just like Motrin or, or Tylenol. It's basically a, a dose of hemoglobin for people who need it. And it's used to treat a variety of illnesses, not just for surgery or trauma. You know, it requires a prescription. Only a physician uh, can order a transfusion and, and things like that. You know, one of the things that we like to say, too, is that one whole blood donation can actually save three lives because we split that donated blood into into three different products. And that's either just the red cells, plasma, which is the liquid part of blood that contains uh, various components uh, that are important for um, stopping bleeding, um, and platelets, which are the first line of defense when a blood vessel is damaged. And there's really no substitute for blood either. Um, it's the only thing in our bodies capable of transporting oxygen to our cells and blood is also constantly being replenished in our bodies and a, and a typical red blood cell lives for about 120 days i know that you know you asked for the most interesting and i think i gave you three four or five in there but uh yeah I, it's a fascinating topic and 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 i love it oh absolutely i mean i just learned uh, quite a few things and i've worked in the medical field for for a few years myself so it's really cool to to be able to learn something new from the experts, from the people who work with it so so much, like yeah, on a daily basis. So we know that that you know the, there's a critical blood shortage. There's people who need to donate. We're doing the things to keep people safe when they come in and donate. What advice would you have for somebody who wants to come donate, say tomorrow or the, at the next blood drive? You know, really just just know that that it goes um, to our community and it's it's not just for our war fighters and and deployed sailors uh, soldiers airmen and marines but it's also for their family members you know my you know my wife uh, delivered our first child in a military hospital and you know I'm happy to know that there's blood on board if if something goes wrong or um, you know if somebody gets injured that that they have blood on the shelf to, to take care of them I wanted to put in another uh, plug to get in touch with the your local donor center. Um, you know, like I mentioned, you can make an appointment online, um, so you can kind of, you know, select a, a time that works best for you at www.militarydonor.com. You can search by uh, zip code or or sponsor, and then just in the region, we have the Armed Services Blood Bank Center uh, for the National Capital Region, uh, which is at, at Walter Reed, and. Um, you know, they conduct blood drives uh, all over the region three or four days a week, uh, in addition to uh, being able to collect uh, products uh, both at Walter Reed and the satellite facility at the Pentagon. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as iTunes. We're also on divotub.net. If you search for it, need to classify. 